Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. Father, I thank you so much. I thank you for your goodness, Father, and I acknowledge that I cannot minister or do anything without you. So, Father, I just open myself up to you right now, and I trust you, Father God, that you would use me and speak through me, and I would be able to minister your word in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. And uh, before we get into the message today, I just want to do this review. We're just keeping this before us. So we've heard this in the last few weeks. And so let's just look at it again to remind ourselves. Uh, the first thing that we, uh, this is something the Lord gave me a number of weeks ago. And I just think it's for every Christian. So spiritual laws, cooperate with them. Uh, graces receive, discover, and labor in them. Promises possess them. Commandments do them. Authority exercise it. Callings answer them and gifts of the Spirit flow in them. And then the Lord gave this to Patsy about serious weapons. It's the believer's arsenal. It's a collection or supply of weapons or munitions. And we have the name, the word, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, which is secret weapons, and the blood of Jesus. So just keeping that before us because we have so much. And just those two slides right there, you could minister for about 10 years on all of that stuff. And so as the Lord leads, each Sunday when we come to church, we'll just see what each person has and what comes forth. But today, um, what I had on my heart, and uh, I'm going to use the word heart again, I had this on my heart, the confident heart and fruitfulness. So just want to talk about that a little bit today, about the confident heart and fruitfulness. So starting off in John chapter 14 and verse 20, what we see here is that God planned that we would be fruitful. So look at this. It says, in that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you, I'm, I'm sorry, and you in me and I in you. And so Jesus starts to give this thought out that was so foreign back then that somebody could be in someone. New terminology, new thought that never existed before. He's telling that to the Jewish people. They had the law. They had commandments. But they, this is like really brand new. And so he's given that out. And, uh, and this is something I wanted to tell you guys. Um, we, our software has been crashing. And I wanted to do this before I start teaching and I'm interrupting myself. But if you see the screens go off, it started last week. The, the software company knows about it, and they're, they're trying, like churches around that use this software, dealing with it. It's not our people back there. They're awesome, but it's the software. So I, I, I needed to say that um, before I started ministering, and I forgot. So, th- so let's get back to this. Jesus introducing this new thought that he, someone could be in someone. Now, he's, he's the only one. So out in the world, and even if you, you know, watch this movie, you know, I think there was this movie years ago with, is it Hugh Grant, what's his name, from England? And he said, you know, like, your voice is in my head, you know. And he was telling that to, I don't know if it was Sandra Bullock, you know, that they were in this romantic movie together. And he talks about how her voice got in his head. Well, you know, your parents, like what your father and mother told you growing up, you know, I think every so often I do something and I tell my, I say something and I tell my wife, that was my father, that my father's name was Jim. I go, that was Jim Caminetti. 
because like, you know, he, grew, he raised me up to be a certain way and his voice got in my head, my mother's voice got in my head, some of, some of you know, people that teach you, their voice can get in your head. You know, that can happen, but there isn't anyone that can get in your heart or in your spirit except God. There isn't any other religion in the world that can get on the inside of you like Jesus and Christianity can. So this was a new thought, okay? So moving on and looking at this, here's look at John chapter 15 as you go through the book of John in verse 4. Jesus said, uh, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. I'm going to just say that again. He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. And then let's look at another something in the epistles in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. There we see this. It says, for, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Now look at this. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So that's not talking about fruits directly. It's not using the word fruit, but it's talking about doing things. So what, what you see is like, and there's other scriptures. We wouldn't have time to look at all of them. But you see that Jesus said we're destined. It's like a plan that God has for us to bear fruit. And then you see in the epistles also that we are created to do what? Good things or produce fruit. So let's ask the question, you know, like what is fruitfulness? And there's a lot of different ideas I mean, if we shoot for the highest as a Christian, we would want to get millions of people saved. We, wanna, we would want to work miracles. We, want, we would want to flow in every spiritual gift. We would want to overcome every obstacle and never be defeated. I mean, that would be like shooting for the highest for every Christian, right? And, uh, but I, I think, like, think about as far as, is, is, um, you know, Patsy grew up in, in a little in Colorado in a little town near the Kansas border and they make jokes out there that the the telephone pole is the state tree because they hardly have it's just flat in its farmlands okay and uh, so when they go to do their harvest they got some big machines out there you know we talk about the harvest and getting people saved you know and those big harvest machines they're monstrous and they they just and they they get the job done but then, you know, my father had a garden in his backyard. And my father grew tomatoes and basil, you know, whatever Italians do, he did. You know, peppers, the important things for the Italian ingredients. But my father, if he would have brought that piece of machinery in to do his harvest, it would have harvested his house. It was big enough to take the whole house. So what am I saying? Well, there are some people even called to pray for the ones that are doing the big harvest, and they're behind the scenes. Does that mean they're not fruitful because you never know who they are? We're talking about what is fruitfulness. There, you know, the great revival that happened in England, there's a book called Reese Howe's Intercessor. And there was an intercessor that had so much to do with a revival happening but it wasn't until years after that anyone knew who they were. There's people that are called to pray, 
and no one knows who they are, but they are the ones that are behind fruitfulness that other people have. But yet you can't say that they're not fruitful because they were fruitful because they prayed. Is that making sense? So when we answer the question like, what is fruitfulness? It can be different for every person. Somebody raised Billy Graham. There was a mother that raised Billy Graham. You know, mothers that raise children and the children walk with the Lord, that's fruitfulness, okay? So just keeping all of that in mind. So, so fruitfulness can be so different, uh, and it's different for every person, and God will put things on our hearts. There's just some people that they just want to pray, and, and uh, they, they don't want to be in front of anyone with a microphone. They just want to pray. Thank God for those that have those callings because they're fueling so many things that are going on with the prayer. Now, let's look at this. Uh, Look at what Jesus said in John 15 and verse 7. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, look at this. He said, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And then in verse 8, he says, for uh, by this... My Father is glorified, and look at this. He said that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Well, how interesting now that Jesus is associating prayer with fruit. So he's saying that somebody that prays and has answers to prayer, that's fruit. Interesting. So you could say this, if he promised it, anything that's promised, we can pray and ask for it. If he provided anything for us in the finished work, we can pray and we can have that. But also there's prayers, as I say, and they pray revival in. They pray moves of God in. And sometimes you never know who they are. So when we talk about fruitfulness, and and I really believe as I'm speaking this right now, there's some people that you've wondered on the inside of you and you've had that working in you about prayer and you might have even wondered in your own mind, you know, is that, you know, is that really God? And I want to tell you that it is God. And the Lord gave me this phrase and he said this, legacy that lasts for eternity is legacy that originates in and of Christ. So we talk about legacy so much. Now, that statement that I just made, it's not meant to attack people that only have an earthly legacy. Like who would have like an earthly, like, well, ungodly movie stars, ungodly billionaires that everyone knows who they are, ungodly sports stars, you know, they have an earthly legacy, and many people know about them, and many people talk about them, but that legacy will not go to heaven, to eternity. But there are Christian athletes, and they use their huge platform to share Jesus Christ, and that originates in Christ, and they have a legacy that will go to eternity. So nothing against billionaires, nothing against sports figures, nothing against movie stars, but no matter how big and famous they are, their legacy only lasts for a short season on the earth. But legacy that lasts forever, it starts in Christ, okay? 
So we could, um, we could say it this way, fruitfulness originates in and comes out of our heart. Fruitfulness originates in and comes out of our heart. And why is that? Because while we're in a spiritual kingdom and our spirits are made brand new, and so anything that we do starts on the inside in this kingdom. It's all about spiritual, and, and it eventually manifests in the natural, but anything that's going to last is going to start on the inside. So we could say this, that the new birth, being born again and receiving Jesus Christ, that is where fruitfulness originates as far as eternity is concerned. So going back to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 one more time, look at that. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew, a new, brand new, a new creation in Christ, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So like thinking about that, he made us new, a new creature in him. Then we discover who we are and what we have. Every Christian should discover who they are and what they have. And from that place in Christ and knowing who we are and what we have, it's from that place and that understanding that we pray. So when I first started uh, traveling in the ministry, I went, I just, you know, many years ago, I, I was 20-something years old, and I moved back to my hometown, and I went to a, a church in Pennsylvania, which was, the border of Pennsylvania was 15 minutes from our house in Ohio. And I went to this traditional denominational church. And so the pastor told me before I teach the word that there was going to be prayer requests. And I was like really green behind the ears. And I, and I still had not read the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I, I really didn't never read that. I never read that book. But I've heard about it so much that I've, from so many people. I felt like I've read it. But so I'm standing behind the pulpit and I say, prayer request, what's your prayer request? And they say, and I say, okay, let's use this scripture. And we prayed. So this one person raised their hand and they said, I have an unspoken prayer request. And being the green behind the ears person I was in front of the whole congregation, I said, Un an unspoken prayer request. So how are we going to find a promise in a scripture to pray for you when you won't tell us what it is? I said, that doesn't work. And I just do that and sit down and kind of, I didn't say sit down, but you know, they, <laughs> they sat down. And uh, I never got invited back to that church. <laughs> but so you're, you see what I'm saying, you know, like uh, when, when it comes like like when it comes to prayer. There are people that end every prayer if it be thy will. I know because we grew up that way. Every prayer that you prayed, you end if it be thy will. But if Jesus already provided it in the finished work of Christ, it already is his will. And so you, you understand when it comes to prayer, like, and, and we're going to get to the confident part, the confident heart, but we're talking about prayer fruit, fruitfulness when we pray, even having an understanding of the different kinds of prayer that there are. The only time that Jesus prayed, if it's thy will, was concerning the plan that God had for his life. And when it came close that he was going to have to sacrifice himself, that's when he said, if it be thy will, because even Jesus wanted to get out of that great sacrifice where he had to go to the cross. So he prayed, 
and he said, not my will, but your will. And it was God's will. That's why we're here today, because God didn't change his mind, and Jesus died for us. But that's the only time that Jesus used, if it be thy will. Jesus walked up to the fig tree, and he cursed the fig tree, and he didn't say, if it be thy will. He cursed it, and he was confident. And then as they came through the next day, it was dried up from the roots. So in order to have prayer fruit, there even has to be an understanding of different kinds of prayer. But it all starts with our understanding and revelation of who we are, what we have, and what belongs to us, and what to do with it. Okay, so this is what you see when uh, when Jesus is talking about uh, prayer fruit. We we need to understand it has something to do with us. Okay, so let's go to Acts chapter four and verse twenty nine, and let's look at this. It's interesting because Acts four twenty nine says, "And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness." While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant. They were under persecution, and what did they do? They gathered and they prayed. And then look at this. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. That's prayer fruit. There was persecution, they gathered together, they prayed, and God answered according to what Jesus said, they, they bore fruit. So every time that we choose individually or even corporately to gather together and pray, when there's an answer, according to what Jesus said, we just bore fruit. And so even... Uh, you know, those of you that follow me on Facebook and those of you that uh, know me uh, even better, you've noticed that I, while I've been really busy, we moved houses and all that, which keeps you busy. But I haven't posted for a while. But somebody might say, well, you know, because I'm a dual citizen and am I keeping up with what's going on in the United States and all that's going on over there? And uh, right, uh, I think on November the 4th, I woke up and I couldn't sleep at night. And I got up and I was just walking around praying in the Holy Spirit. And I think it's prayer fruit in a sense because as I was walking around praying in the Holy Spirit, I, I felt like the Lord said, do not do a daily walk with this. Let it go and keep it up in prayer. And trust me to, to turn on the light and expose the truth in all of this. And so it really helped me because, of course, I love both nations. I'm a dual citizen. I love this nation, and I care about this nation and what goes on even in the political realm and who's in office. It it means something to me, but I also still love the nation that I was born in and what goes on there. But the Lord said, let go of it. Don't follow it on a daily basis. Don't read all the articles. Keep it in prayer. So I'm keeping it in prayer and trusting that the light comes on. So, so the, these are, um, and I'm trusting that there's going to be some fruit bore and that corruption will be exposed, okay? All right, so that said, I, I'd like to share five things today that would help us to be fruitful. Five things. So here's the first one. <clears throat> Number one, being fruitful is enter. And what do I mean by that? 
John 1 and verse 12, it says, But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. And so this spiritual birth, the first way that if anyone's going to be fruitful, you need to enter into the kingdom. So we could say it this way, if you're listening to us online today, uh, or if there's anyone sitting here in this room, if you want to make heaven in eternity, according to this, you have to believe and accept him. If you want a legacy that lasts for eternity, it's necessary to believe and accept him, those who believed and accepted him. If you want to be fruitful, according to what this is saying, uh, and have spiritual fruit, it's necessary to believe and accept him. So we're not going to spend a lot of time in this because as we end the service today, there's going to be an invitation. And if Jesus Christ isn't your Lord, if you're sitting in this room or if you're online watching us, there'll be an invitation and you'll have an opportunity to receive him because that's the first step in order to be fruitful. Okay. Let's look at the second one and we'll spend some more time on this one. The second one after we receive him is abide. And so John 15, 4, it says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus is making it really clear. I underlined, uh, underlined abide one, two, three, four times in two verses. So he uses the word abide four different times. So he's saying this, if you want to be fruitful and produce fruit, it's necessary to have an abiding now, when I was young, I was telling Patsy, I think when I lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in that environment where they, there's just like massive amounts of Bible school people, and you had Oral Roberts University, a very spiritual place, and you hear a lot of different things. Somebody taught out of this on what, what it means to abide, and I told Patsy after I heard it many years ago that I said it was just so complicated, and it was so intense it could make you just feel heavy, like what Christian is able to do what was just taught. And it always kind of bothered me because I thought, who, who can actually do that? So I, I thought, let's, let's, let's first of all look at the Greek word, the word abide. And it's really simple, that word. It means to stay in a given place, state, relation. Abide, continue, dwell, endure be present, remain. It's real simple, to abide. And then the mounds, that's another place you can get Greek words defined. It means to continue, to dwell, to lodge, sojourn, to remain, to rest, settle, to last, endure, to survive, to be existent, to continue, unchanged, to be permanent, to, be, to persevere, be uh, constant, to be steadfast, to abide, to be in close and settled union 
to indwell. Well, to me, that's real simple. But, you know, if we put it even in a more practical way, what could we say? What's it look like to abide in him? Well, it's really simple. Stay with him. (laughs) Don't leave him. Receive him. But then you stay with him. So we continue in him and we continue in his words. It's that simple. It, It isn't like we have to do anything so complicated or it's anything so deep. We just choose to stay with him to, uh, and to continue to feast on who we are and what we have in him and continue in his word and to continue doing his word. It's that simple. So if we're going to produce fruit, we stay with him. Uh, if we get something, if we want to do something is an example, did he give us directions to do it or is it just ambition? Is it ambition or is it vision? You know, we always want to make sure it should be vision and not ambition. And as long as it's vision, it's fruit, okay? Now, I don't know if about you, but I always think what, what should inspire us? What, what would inspire you to stay with him? Would it be somebody up here pointing a finger at you? saying, abide in him, pray, study, come to church. You better abide in him. You better get excited about him. That's not very inspirational, is it? I would like to think our love for Jesus is what inspires us, what he's done for us, and the fact that he gave us life. That's the inspiration. It's now been 40 years for me, more than 40 years that I've known Jesus as Lord. And as soon as he came on the inside of me and I felt what love really was and I fell in love with him, I've never wanted to leave him. And I've never really responded to people pointing a finger at me, telling me what to do. I mean, I was a little rebellious before I got saved. I don't want to think I was rebellious after I got saved. But everything that I've ever done for him wasn't because somebody made me do it or put guilt on me or shame or pointed a finger at me. It's because I love him. And so, you know, fall in love with him if you're not already there. But I think that 830 service people are already, you're here at 830. You guys are in love with him. So it's not guilt, it's not fear. And I I just wrote this down. Those inspirations don't last and they aren't infused with joy. Anyone that serves God out of guilt and fear and somebody pointing a finger, it's not infused with any joy and it doesn't last. It's only temporary. Uh, And then also, uh, I also wrote this down, that that kind of inspiration, it's not saturated with supernatural grace and ability. You want to be (laughs) saturated with supernatural grace grace and ability. Stay in love with him. Serve him because you love him, not because you feel guilty about it. And then there's like a supernatural grace and ability that would be on you. So simply, it's our love. I remember when we lived in uh, Singapore and uh, a a large ministry was coming there and they rented a stadium out. And so they asked if I would help with their, what they were doing. They asked the Singaporean pastor 
since he was a citizen and all, could you do the business like you go get the stadium, sign the contract, get the insurance, you do the business side. And then they, they asked me if I would do the pastors, if I would gather all the pastors together and I would see if they would, you know, be a part of the meeting, if they could provide ushers and people to help and all that. So that was what I did. So I, I got a bunch of pastors together. I'm, I'm sitting in these, this room with mega church pastors, you know, pastors that have 14 and 15,000 people. That's kind of like Singapore, you know. And there was a, a, a church in Singapore, and many of you know who it is. You know, they, they, they preach uh, on grace. And they, but one thing that's really amazing about this church is how much they preach about Jesus and just Jesus, Jesus, you know. And so when we actually had the meeting, the church that supplied a thousand workers that served with a big smile on their face and the church that put in about $300,000 almost paid the whole budget off from what I understood for the meeting was the church that had everyone that never pointed a finger at anyone and everyone was in love with Jesus. And they served because they were in love with him. I don't know about you, but I'd rather just serve because we love him and not because we feel guilty or pressure. It just lasts and it's got grace on it and it's, there's tangible presence of God, you know. And it's interesting that there was churches that criticized that church, but they didn't supply any workers and they didn't put any money in for the budget. Just saying, interesting, isn't it? God is good. Okay, <clears throat> number three, let go. And this is the part that we want to look at here. Let go for the confident heart. Look at 1 John 3 and verse 18. It says, little children, let us not love in word or in talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. So look at that about reassure our hearts. For whatever our heart can, for whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Very interesting portion of scripture in a number of different ways. Because first of all, we know in Romans chapter 8, in verse 1 and 2, it says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if we've been redeemed and Jesus forgave us of our sin and there's no longer any condemnation, then what would this be talking about? Uh, so um, I think we should go through this a little bit slower and take a look at this, okay? Because what we see here, and why are we doing this, it says if our heart doesn't condemn us, we have confidence before God. And confidence before God is really big when it comes to having answered prayer and having prayer fruit. And so probably more than anything today, I felt like the Lord wanted me to get this to you guys. It's a supplier, a nutrient to help everyone be more confident when they pray, okay? So uh, looking at this on a slower way, let's start at verse number 19. And look at that. It says, by this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. So the first thing that we want to say is it's our heart in us, and it's not God condemning us 
or putting condemnation on us. When we come into Christ, according to what the Bible says, he removes our guilt and our condemnation. But then if we look at this, it says our hearts can do something. Our heart, not God. Now, the word condemn, uh, we're going to look at that real soon. But let's first of all look at verse number 20. In verse 20, it says, For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. And so the word condemn here, I put it up there. The screens are working pretty good there, huh? This word, it means, I, I underline the part that's important to find fault with. That word, there, it's only used three times in the New Testament. There's, a, there's another word for, con, there's other condemnation Greek words, but this particular word, they chose to put the word condemn on. It means to find fault with. Used three times in the entire New Testament, to find fault with. So here's the way the Lord explained it to me. When you, when you become a born-again Christian, Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit, comes on the inside of you. We're in Christ. God is love, and when love by the Holy Ghost moves on the inside of us, then we have love on the inside of us. So according to this, if we don't walk in love and we don't forgive, the way that says it, our heart, not God now, but our heart finds fault with that. And it can rob us of our confidence in prayer. And this is like one of the main things I felt like the Lord wanted me to get to you guys this morning for confidence in prayer. It's important that we take care of this issue because when our heart, when we're not loving and forgiving, it affects our heart and it robs us of confidence. So let's read those scriptures again and see how it says it. Verse 19, it says, by this, we shall know that we are of the truth. What is of the truth? When we decide to love according to the word, okay, and reassure our hearts before him. So my heart before him, the way I reassure that is I make sure that there isn't anyone in my life that I haven't forgiven when necessary and that I'm walking in love. It's really important. And that's reassuring my heart before him. He's not condemning me. As a matter of fact, if I'm walking out of love and I'm in forgiveness, the way he would tell me would be very compassionate and loving. That's probably how he would talk to me. He would reveal that to me that way. And then verse number 20, now it says, for whenever our heart does condemn us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. What, what does that mean? It simply means there isn't anyone else on the planet, the devil included. The devil only can work with our words and he can read faces. If you are fearful, he can read fear on the face and he only reads what we say. But there's only one in the entire universe. There's only one that exists that knows what's going on on the inside of us, and that's the Creator, God Almighty. So he's greater than our heart, and he knows. And what does that mean? It means that when we pray, God knows if we're confident. He knows that. And you can sound good. I mean, I think we've all done it where we can pray in front of people, and because we've done it so long and we know the Bible, we can sound really confident, but we know that we really didn't believe we received when we prayed because we don't have the confidence that we did, you know, that we, you know, exhibited in front of people. Does that make sense? It's like knowing in your heart 
because your heart is right. So let's, let's look at this um, <clears throat> verse 21 then. So it, this is where it gets good. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And he's greater than our heart, and he knows that. Then in verse 22, it says, And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that please him. And so what are the commandments? Because I think, well, what, what, is, what does that mean? Well, you got just the next verse. It says, and this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments, look at this, abides in God. There's that word abide, and God in him. It's not real complicated. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. So there's only two commandments in the New Testament, to be born again and to love. It's really simple. And in those two commandments, we, the law is fulfilled. Just those two commandments. So if we're all born again, sitting in this room, and if anyone watching online, you're born again, we've already done one of the commandments. That only leaves one other commandment, and that is to love according to truth, to forgive and love. And so uh, I felt as if the Lord was saying some, and I'm, this is by the Holy Ghost now, some have not had the prayer fruit, and it's even been different. You have previously have had prayer fruit, but you've been on a stretch, a season, where your prayer fruit has gone down. And the confidence isn't there. And I felt as if the Lord is saying, this is for you. And you can make this choice to let go. In other words, forgive, let go, and walk in love. And it will change to where your heart is confident before him. And the prayer fruit will return. So I leave that with you. <clears throat> Number four, pray. <clears throat> so here, you know, it says... Whatever we ask, we receive from him. You know, the Bible says that we have not because we ask not. And so, you know, the unspoken prayer requests, getting back to that again, or thinking, I've heard some people say, well, God knows my heart. But why does the Bible say to ask? So God does know our heart. But I just really want to encourage you, you know, you know like some people think, God knows my heart and he knows what I'm thinking, but why isn't he doing anything? Well, did we actually take it to him in prayer? Did we ask? Did we put a petition out there? Just encouraging you guys, you know, don't forget that even though he knows our heart, he said to ask, okay? Big things are a result of asking big. You know, and a confident heart can ask big. Anything he provided for us, he will supply. And then number five, do. So I just got this, you know, as soon as I got, saw that, you know, he gave me these five things. And when, when I went to the do one, I just wrote it down. Pray it, say it, walk it, feed on it, and do it. Really simple. Pray it, say it, walk in it, feed on it, and do it. It's really simple. Praise God. So then I'm going to invite Andy to come up here, or the worship team, whoever is coming up. Also, this is by the Holy Ghost, and I even wrote this one down. It came as, uh, this morning when I was praying, and it's this, that you 
have been thinking that I'm not as spiritual as others. And the Lord would say to you, you look at others as being more spiritual. They simply chose to be more dependent on me instead of doing it themselves. And so your desire to be spiritual and spiritual fruit itself will be a result of you coming to an understanding that you cannot do it by yourself for there is no fruit produced out of relationship with him. So that was a word that I got as I was praying this morning. So I don't, I don't know who that would apply to, but you look at other people and you think, well, they're spiritual. No, probably they're not as spiritual as you think. They just humble themselves and thought, I can't do this without him. And so they decided to go to him. And then it appears like, well, what a spiritual person, but it's actually a humble person that knew they couldn't do it on their own. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for every person here today, Lord. I just pray, Father God, that there would be no one, not one person that would have a heart that lacks confidence, Father. And I pray what you gave today, Father God, that there would be adjustments, Father God, and there will be an increase in prayer fruit and confidence in hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brahma.org.au.